Ah, good morning, Athens. Wrapping up another week. In fact, another month. That's right, it's the 29th day of September. It's a Friday, folks. TGIF, all that sort of thing. We've got a free-for-all today. Don Hulbert's here. It is foggy outside. 60 degrees here on Columbus Road. They say it's going to top out at 76. And once again, those hours between 3 and 5 p.m. when that'll happen. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Don, good morning. Good morning. And welcome. Yeah, so, I mean, weather-wise, you know, today patchy fog up until 9, which is now. Uh, otherwise, partly sunny with a high near 75. Uh, and over on another report, I see I see it says 76, but um, just a calm wind. Tonight, partly cloudy with a low around 55. Again, the wind calm. Tomorrow, Saturday, of course, mostly sunny, high near 78. Uh, let's see, Saturday night, clear, Sunday Sunny with a high near 79. I think I'll be getting some yard work done this weekend. Uh, but I'm looking ahead, looking ahead, looking ahead every day right through until next um, Thursday. Sunny. But um, what will the high temp be? It looks like it's going to be on Tuesday with 82. All right. Good morning, folks. Welcome. But right now, as I said, 60 degrees here on Columbus Road. Today is, um, uh-oh, did I print the wrong thing? I maybe did. No, today's the 29th. Well, I, oh, oh, I see. I was not looking at it closely. It is the 29th. Um, I thought I saw it say 28th. I was mistaken. Anyway, on this uh, today of free-for-all, so we'll do our customary things on this day in history and so on. And we got all sorts of interesting reports we brought in today. So, on this date of September 29th, but the year was 1567, the War of Religion breaks out in France. The Huguenots tried to kidnap King Charles IX. On this very date in the year 1829, the first units of the London Metropolitan Police appear on the streets of the British capital, the, first, the city's first modern police force, 1829. Jumping much farther ahead to 2008, not too long ago, the Dow Jones Industrial Average falls 700 and I'm just going to round it off. 778 points it fell that day. Its largest single day point loss. How did that all come about? Well, they say the bankruptcies of Lehman Brothers and Washington Mutual uh, had, the, had that effect that day. Um, ba -bum, ba -bum, ba -bum. Let's see, famous birthdays. We've got four here. Well, this is a pretty gal. Anita Ekberg. She was born on this date in 1931. She passed in 2015. I'm, I'm almost certain she was a, an actress. Uh, Anita Ekberg. You're right. Uh, she was a Swedish actress active in American and European films, known for her beauty and curvy figure. She became prominent in her iconic role as Sylvia in the Federico Fellini film La Dolce Vita in oh, 1960. Yes, I remember that one. Horatio Nelson, military guy, born on this date in 1758, died in 1805. Horatio Nelson. He was a British flag officer in the Royal Navy. 
His inspirational leadership, grasp of strategy, and unconventional tactics brought about a number of decisive British naval victories during the French Revolutionary and Napoleonic Wars. He is widely regarded as one of the greatest naval commanders in history. Wow. Yeah, he has a spectacular um, uniform he's wearing in this picture or painting or whatever it is they, they've added here. Okay, uh, two more famous birthdays. Enrico Fermi. Born on this date in 1901, Enrico was. He died in 1954. Um, Fermi. That, that name is ever so slightly familiar to me, but I don't know why. He was an Italian and later naturalized American physicist, uh -huh. renowned for being the creator of the world's first nuclear reactor, oh, the yes. Chicago Pile 1, and a member of the Manhattan Project. In the last of our famous birthdays, at least um, uh, today's selection, is Trevor Howard. Uh, born on this date in 1913, he'd passed in 1988. Trevor Howard. He was an English stage, film, and television actor. After varied work in the theater, he achieved star status with his role in the film Brief Encounter in 1945, followed by The Third Man in 1949. I just uh, noticed a, another picture here. It's of Kelly Clarkson. And it says a tragic end for Kelly Clarkson. Uh, but that's all they've got. What, what, um, did I miss something? We see her on TV, um, fairly often. Well, if we can't find something easily, we won't worry about it. Oh, I know why. Oh, what is it? Because they had an episode that aired earlier this year that, uh, it... For the new uh, John Wick movie, John Wick 4, uh, one of the uh, main actors in it passed away right after they uh, taped the episode. Okay. Lance Reddick. So what did that do to the movie? Oh, the, nothing for the movie because it was already completed. But it's saying that it was tragic news because they had just uh, filmed the episode uh and he passed away not long after they got done filming. Okay. Um, here's a, just a teaser line, but it makes me wonder. And you've got the picture over there. It's a plate, and it looks like it's full of bananas. And they say, um, too much belly fat? Eat this before bed. And uh, a medical doctor or series of doctors have said that. Now, are those bananas, do you think? That's what it looks like to me. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll just uh, have to look into it over the weekend. Okay, let's see here. What else? Famous deaths. Yeah, did I? F oh, I failed to turn a page. I see what happened here. Or did I? Famous birthdays. Am I missing a page? Oh, here it is. Here it is. What's that? I was going to give you mine. <laughs> yeah, two two famous deaths to mention. Um, Ferdinand the Seventh. Born in 1784, he died on this date in 1833. Okay, I, I can't even tell you quickly what nation he headed up, but Ferdinand VII. He was the king of Spain during Spain. the early 19th century. He reigned briefly in 1808 and then again from 1813 until his death in 1833. He was known to his supporters as the desired and to his detractors as the felon-slash-criminal king. Mm. That's probably why he was up and down, up and down. Sometimes king, sometimes not, then king again, and so on. Okay, last one, Rudolf Diesel. 
just like the fuel, diesel fuel. Rudolf Diesel, born in 1858, he died in 1913. He was a German inventor and mechanical engineer who is famous for having invented the diesel engine, uh-huh. which burns diesel fuel, which both are named after him. Well, let's see here. What's going on? We'll jump around a good bit topically this morning. There's a number of interesting reports I brought in. But the big thing, and you, if you watch the news this morning or listen to our news, uh, you know, it concerns the possibility of a federal government shutdown. That is, if a budget agreement cannot be reached by midnight, October 1st. Uh, though a last-minute agreement may well be reached, the possibility of a shutdown remains real. With discretionary government workers preparing for this scenario, this costs the government both in time and resources, further adding to the federal deficit and placing the, dis- the, the defunction on the federal government on full display. And uh, who gets to watch it? The entire world. Not just us. Without a federal budget deal, this is akin to millions of federal workers involuntarily going on strike. In this case, the legislatures who are creating the fiscal impasse are basically serving much like union leaders. So what happens if the government shuts down? Well, all discretionary workers are furloughed. This means that reaching a person at numerous government agencies becomes nearly impossible. Uh, I'm skipping the story for a moment. You know, I receive, I'm ashamed to say, about 600 emails a day. I have tried to narrow that down so I get far fewer, but it just isn't working. But many of them are government-related. And they say, for more information, call, and then there's a phone number. (sighs) Well, what if there's nobody there to answer the phone? (laughs) Well, anyway, let's go on with the actual story. The laundry list of federal services affected is significant. Getting a passport could be problematic, especially if expedited services are needed. Air travel could slow down as the, the, as the addition of new air traffic controllers would effectively stall. Still, only 27% of federal employees are classified as discretionary which means that most government services remain intact. I'm knocking on wood there. Um, wow. It's just kind of frightening or scary or worrisome. I don't know. Whatever term you choose to pick. But it appears that it's going to take place. Um, Let's see. Let's do some more here. Okay. uh, I just picked up a report from the New York Times. And it's lead article this morning by David Lennart. Good morning. 
We're looking at a worrisome turnabout in global battle against mosquitoes. And of course, they're covering democracy, migration, and Beyonce, right? Well, Stephanie Nolan, she's a colleague at um, another reporter at, um, or columnist at, with the New York Times. When she began working on an article earlier this year about new technologies to fight mosquito-borne diseases, she assumed she would be writing the story of continued progress. You see, for much of the past two decades, those diseases have been receding. Thanks to mosquito nets, insecticides, and billions of dollars of funding from governments and philanthropies. Between 2000 and 2019, so 19 years there, for example, global governments um, gl global malaria deaths fell more than a third. But it only took a couple of calls to realize that there was way more going on in the world of mosquitoes than Stephanie had realized. This is a quote from her. She says, I was a bit taken back, aback, as a global health reporter who has been writing about malaria for 25 years to realize that the common public narrative of straightforward trajectory of progress against the disease is inaccurate. Going on over the past year, she has traveled to six countries, studied data, waded through swamps in Kenya, crawled into goat sheds in Ethiopia, and learned how to suck a mosquito into a glass vial, as researchers do so when they can study it alive. The result is a series of alarming stories that the Times published this morning. If you'd like to go and see more about this topic, I, I encourage you to um, get online or find a hard copy of the New York Times today. But continuing on, the mosquito already kills more people every year than any other creature. And worse, the toll is rising. Malaria deaths rose about 8% between 2019 and 2021 which were the first increases in decades. You know, there was a time they felt they had pretty much brought it under control. Well, um, in 2020, just a couple years ago, that's the last we have a full collection of data, there were 627,000 deaths as a result of malaria. Two big causes. The toll is rising for two main reasons. First, mosquitoes have evolved to elude strategies that were once working against them. The increasing use of bed nets has led to a decline in the population of mosquitoes that tend to live indoors. But mosquitoes that thrive outdoors have increased in number, and bed nets can't fight them so easily. Mosquitoes have also evolved to become more resistant to current insecticides being used. Folks, I sit out on my deck. I have decks on either side of my house, and it's very pleasant and relaxing out there. Um, I can uh, go through emails out there or read articles or, you know, just relax after a bite to eat. Sometimes we even eat out there. But the point is, I am bitten by mosquitoes. 
I would say two to three each evening. And they itch, of course. Not to mention all of this possible bad things they carry, like malaria and that sort of thing. Uh, I have recently found a, it looks like a magic marker, felt tip pen. But it doesn't have ink in it. It has a medication that makes the itch pretty quickly stop. And it's also supposed to be helpful, I guess, in terms of not getting ill. But that itch is so annoying, of course. Oh, well. Uh, at least for me, that seems to be working. But otherwise, I just have to be inside, right? Oh, well. Uh, let's see. Do we have more on this? One problem many experts believe is that the World Health Organization and other regulators are slow to approve new insecticides and other preventive measures. These agencies typically wait for years of evidence to accumulate before approving new mitigation strategies. But people are dying in the meantime. The writer of this story goes on, This situation reminds me of the CDC's struggles to provide timely, clear help during the COVID pandemic, be it with masks, tests, or behavioral guidance. Public health crises don't operate on the same timetable as academic journals. Well, if you'd like to know more about this, Again, we would encourage you to look at today's edition of the New York Times. Okay, let's see here. Uh, changing uh, topics completely, let's talk about politics. President Biden accused Donald Trump and other mega-extremists of threatening the Constitution. He did this during a speech he made in Arizona. And um, to date, they're saying this was his most blistering recent attack on the former president, Donald Trump. Some quotes. Democracies don't have to die at the end of a rifle, Biden said. They can die when people are silent, when they, foot, when they fail to stand up or condemn threats to democracy. And during the same speech, he went on to criticize Republicans for not rebuking Trump's recent suggestions that an army general who clashed with him deserved the death penalty. Oh, I missed this story. I, sometime in the last um, 48 hours, this must have occurred, and I, I had not heard about this. President Biden announced federal funding for a library honoring John McCain, the late senator. And he told the story of inducing, I'm sorry, introducing McCain to his future wife, Cindy, who was present at this, um, this speech. Well, let's see here. I got a section that is entitled Trump Cases. Let's see what we got here. Trump's civil fraud trial may begin as soon as Monday after a New York appeals court rejected his bid for a delay. He could lose control of Trump Tower and other properties. Huh. 
Another item. In Trump's Georgia racketeering case over election interference, his lawyer wrote that he would not seek a transfer to federal court. And yet, they are. And one more statement here. It says Trump's team has paid the legal bills for people caught up in his prosecutions. However, the money to do that sort of thing is starting to run kind of low. Well, a little more about the government shutdown. We talked about it a few moments ago. As the deadline looms, Speaker Kevin McCarthy is trying to turn a fight over federal funding into a battle over Biden's handling of the border. Biden's strategy, avoid a shutdown if possible. If not, make sure Americans know where to place the blame. See, Senate, uh, this is other political stories here. Senator Menendez, right? Senator John Featherman, a Pennsylvania Democrat, said he was open to expelling Robert Menendez from the Senate if he refused to resign over corruption charges. Can't people just do their jobs properly? I mean, people make mistakes. And often, without knowing, it was a mistake. They had hopes that something good could come out of it. I don't know what to make of this. Anyway, going on, the Supreme Court has reportedly narrowed the legal definition of corruption. And what that Supreme Court has said may help Menendez. Uh, More of a political stuff. It says, uh, as House... At House Republicans' first impeachment hearing against Biden, their own witnesses said there was not enough evidence to support impeachment. Let's see here. Ron DeSantis projected um, confidence at the Republican debate this week, but it may not convince voters that he's the best alternative to Trump. Okay, let's talk about China. The tech giant Huawei, I don't know how to say this, H-A-U-W-E-I. I may not have paid attention enough to the uh, national reporters that have it, but anyway, I've seen the name. It's a huge tech company. H-U-A-W-E-I. I'll go with Huawei. Anyway, that tech giant offered gifts to Greek officials as it sought European allies during a trade war with the United States. This was discovered through a New York Times investigation. On another matter, Evergrande, a a property company, suspended its stock and said its billionaire chairman was under investigation. Ah, Once again, why do people knowingly try to do something wrong for financial gain or benefit or whatever you want to call it, either to their company or to their person. Hmm. 
Well, let's see here. A group of former applicants, this is an entirely different story. A group of former applicants sued the Peace Corps, accusing it of discriminating against them because of their mental health histories. Folks, I had a, um, a cousin, and she met a man, and they got married, and they, during their lifetime, have had a multiple series of Peace Corps assignments. And then they were named to be in the leadership roles of the United States Peace Corps. They have both since retired. Um, I had an arm's length affiliation with the Peace Corps down in Ecuador. I thought it was a fascinating experience. I thought so much good was done for both the people trying to help that, those nations as well as the nations themselves. I just, um, I want the Peace Corps to continue to be a very important thing that our nation does. But I don't really understand what this suit is all about. Once again, it says, accusing it of discriminating against them because of their mental health histories. Oh, well. In another story, resident advisors at the University of Pennsylvania voted to unionize part of swell of labor organizing among undergraduates. Okay, so now we're going to get students who unionize? That's kind of what it sounds like. <sighs> Another one-liner. A judge said New York City regulators could raise minimum wages for workers who deliver food for platforms, things like Uber, right? The new minimum will start at about 18 bucks an hour. Another one-liner. New York City now has the biggest income gap of any large county in the country. Hmm. I have to think that one through a little bit. All right. Well, Michael Gumden. Remember Harry Potter? Of course. Yeah. I was never a fan of it personally, but I know but I know of it because all my siblings were. <laughs> I was the only one in the family who didn't like it. <laughs> well, I, I, I liked it. I thought it was very creative. Wizards and magic stuff is something that I've never been into. I, I don't know. It's just something I can't get into. Well, the actor, whose name was Michael Gamden, he played the role of Dumbledore. Okay. Right? He died. He was 82. Just I, think, I think I heard this last night, or read this last night somewhere. Over in Pakistan, there was a religious um, event taking place, a gathering of some kind, and an explosion occurred that killed at least 52 people and injured dozens more. The only addition they have is it says officials believe it was a suicide attack. Okay, we've talked a lot about COVID over the last few years. You know, we have nursing homes. We have, um, uh, um, what do I want to say, um, homes for people who are elderly that need assistance, but they're not necessarily in a nursing situation. Um, the, the latest COVID vaccine, it seems, um, has not been 
distributed quite quickly enough for these sorts of places. So there's some criticism there. Well, 942, no, exactly 943. Let's see if there's anything else that pops out at me. I think we can set this report aside. Um, I came across a story that, once again, I think Athens can be very proud of. This uh, came out yesterday at 2.49 in the afternoon. Ohio University named the best public value in the state of Ohio for the fourth consecutive year in that who, who makes those, uh, who, who releases this report annually? U.S. News and World Report rankings. Highly, highly uh, regarded leadership in such things. Athens, Ohio. For the fourth consecutive year, Ohio University has been named the best public value university in the state of Ohio. Again, this is from the latest U.S. News and World Report. And in so doing, cementing its position among the nation's top institutions. The university also earned accolades for its academic excellence and commitment to student success. Um, Let's see, here's a quote from Lori Stewart-Gonzalez. She's our president and became that just recently. It quotes, It is an honor to be recognized for the work we are doing to provide our students with high-quality educational experience at an affordable cost. She went on to say, Student success is our top priority and we are committed to providing our students with the financial support and resources needed to achieve academic excellence and realize their professional goals. Well, OU rises in multiple rankings, not just the one I mentioned. In addition to ranking as the best value in the state of Ohio, and 98th overall for the best value among public universities, Ohio also moved up four spots from 182 to 178 for top national universities and cracked the top 100 at 96 for overall top public schools. Yeah, keep it up. Oh, you. Oh, yeah. Oh, you. Oh, yeah. All right. In recent years, Ohio has implemented multiple initiatives to ensure affordability and student success, including the Ohio Guarantee Program, which provides a fixed cost of tuition, housing, and dining fees locked in for 12 consecutive semesters. The Guarantee Plus program goes further than locking rates, however, It also delivers an individualized graduation plan for each student that ensures students graduate on time and on plan. Or the university will make it right. Well, Across the state and online programs further advance the university's commitment to providing educational access and opportunity. Ohio University is a Carnegie R1 classified research intensive institution with a record of advancing knowledge through discovery and innovation in the natural and biomedical sciences, humanities and arts, and engineering. Well, if you'd like to know more, um, 
Ohio University has more on this very topic, but way to go. Oh, you. Your turn. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Nine forty-seven and a half. Um, actually, nine forty-eight. Um, I, I found this article somewhere t- this morning, and I thought it was worth bringing in. Uh, this is far more local in the sense that the city of Athens has contracted with McKee Paving and Sealing to complete the twenty twenty-three street improvements project which will include milling, paving, and crack sealing, depending on the condition of the various streets, right? Now, years ago, when I was on city council, we would take a tour. We would all climb into a small bus and tour all the streets in the city. It took the best part of a day. We'd stop somewhere and get a bite to eat, too. This was generally done on a Saturday. And um, the uh, service safety director and the street specialist and all of that would go with us and they would point out things that maybe we wouldn't know to look at. And um, so then city council could come up with a list of prioritized streets. And the goal then was to see if we had the funding necessary to do all of those. Well, they've now announced that um, here's the streets, right, for this year. And I'm just doing a rough count. Looks like there might be 13 or 14 streets. Now, some of them get tackled when there's an immediate need, but... This is the annual street project. Um, So, Applegate Road, Avon Place, over in my neighborhood, Carroll Road, and that's between Roxbury Drive and Dove Drive, Euclid Drive, again, that's over in my neighborhood, Far Hills Drive, Grand Park Boulevard, that is the street I live on. Hillcrest Road, Northwood Drive, Old Coach Road, Old Peach Ridge Road, Orchard Lane, Pleasant View Drive, Townsend Place, and lastly, Utah Place, once again over on the Far East area. The story mentions that uh, while these are being worked on, and this work is expected to occur, I think, October 4th and 5th, and maybe longer, um, there will be, um, traffic will be maintained with fellows and flaggers uh, when it's needed. And they'll make sure you get to where you're trying to go. They go on to say that parking on the street will not be allowed during the scheduled work. On-street parking will be removed 24 hours in advance of the work days. Okay, now, I have, um, let's see here, what do I have? I've got four vehicles. Two are mine, two belong to Suzanne. Um, three of them are parked on the street, sort of. So I'll have to move one of those back to my second slot by the parking garage, my, my garage. And the other two I'll have to either move on to my lawn or um, bring out here to the office, whatever, right? Yeah. So they can uh, get it all done well. Now, they go on to say this schedule, even though they said um, uh, that the different areas will be notified 24 hours in advance of when the work's going to be performed on their street. 
The schedule, however, is subject to change in the event of inclement weather or other unforeseen circumstances. So be it. If you'd like a little more information, they say you're welcome to call the Engineering and Public Works Department. Their phone number is listed on the city website. If you have a pen and pencil, I'll share it with you now. Engineering and Public Works for the city, 740-593-7636. Okay? Fair enough. We mentioned a few days ago that the leaf schedule for all the fall leaves has been released, and uh, I think we gave it to you in detail that day. We'll do it again next week, okay? Um, and there's some other stuff. West Union Street improvements. Stimson Avenue, they're doing a water line project there. Anyway, we'll try to keep you informed. Oh, a, a word about some upcoming shows. Um, today, a free-for-all, obviously. We try to do that on Mondays and Fridays. Uh, Monday, we will have a free-for-all. Uh, but on Tuesday... The topic will be Burr Oak State Park. Julie G., who's the naturalist for the Burr Oak State Park, she will be our guest. On um, Wednesday of next week, that is October 4th, Tammy Blake and Bill Johnson will be um, in the studio here to talk about the upcoming Plains Indian Mound Festival. That's been going on for some years, and it's a neat event. I've attended it several times. And if I'm not mistaken, Tammy Blake and Bill Johnson co-chair that event now. Um, yeah, let's see here. My notes are not complete, but the following week, we're going to have an interesting topic, Dr. Ryan Foote who's a meteorologist. We're going to talk about weather and climate change on Wednesday, October 11th. Well, uh, the Wayne National Forest is uh, going to conduct public recreation surveys. Uh, of course, the headquarters there is technically in Nelsonville, or they say, and um, they're going to be conducting these surveys from October 1st through September 30th. A one-year period. The public will encounter interviewers working in developed and dispersed recreation sites and long roads at the Wayne National Forest. They will be um, identifiable with bright fluorescent vests and tech stationed near the traffic survey ahead signs. They'll be there in all types of weather conditions because the parks are used under different types of conditions. Some want it to be snowy. Some want it to be warm. Whatever. So they're going to do a year-long survey. And... Um, I'm all for that. I'm all for that. We have about three minutes left. Don, I thought it'd be kind of fun for you to name some of the weirdest articles that we bring into the studios and, and haven't yet shared necessarily. Okay, now these are studies. I mean, they generally are five to ten pages in length. They're each stapled. Uh, we probably get three such studies a week. We don't print them all because some of them just don't make sense for our region. But the weirdest ones you've found, we've got two and a half minutes. What are they? First one I love. What is it? 2023's best cities for surviving a zombie apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> 
I saw that and I was like, oh, that's great. That's okay. great. <laughs> well, we'll get in that uh, detail sometime next week, maybe. Another. 2023's best and worst cities for staycations. Staycations. Best and worst. Well, that wouldn't be too bad. No. Okay, next. 2023's most fun states in America. Oh, give me a hint. What's number one? California. Okay. And then Florida's number two. <laughs> and what's dead last? Probably West Virginia. No, Mississippi. Mississippi. West, West Virginia's 49, though. 49. I was very close. Okay. Well, we can go into more detail down the road. Another weird one. 2023's most and least independent states. Hmm. I just thought that was weird. I was like... No, that, that's wonder what kind that's of important stuff, yeah. I think. I, th I think it's a little bit weird, but also, yeah, it's important. Yeah. Uh, states with the largest and smallest credit card debt increases. Okay. Yeah. Maybe. We got one more? Yeah. 2023 states that vaccinate the most. Now, that stack is four inches tall. Yeah. And you went through the whole thing and that's all you could find? Most of it. I know there's some weirder ones. Well, I'm sure there are. <laughs> Probably all the way down at the bottom. Okay, folks. Well, we hope you've enjoyed the week with us. We'll do it all over again next week. And we've told you about some of the shows coming up. But uh, at this point, Monday's going to be a free-for-all. So uh, we'll do some more of this sort of thing then. In the meantime, let me update our weather forecast. And if I've got a moment to do that. Okay, we're now up to 63 degrees here on Columbus Road, and they're saying, again, our high this afternoon, 76. Folks, be careful out there. Take care of one another. Be courteous. Be kind. Be caring. We love you all, and we'll see you next week right here on the Party Line. In our 73rd year of serving Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.3 FM. W -H -E -H -F -M.